Do you have Apple Pay? Do you have Google Pay? Do you have, you know, Klarna? Do you have any of these kinds of things that are becoming so popular and, and prevalent in actual shopping transactions? Uh, nope. Okay. I'm going to go somewhere else and, and check that out. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owners Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. What's going on? In this episode, we are interviewing Matt Ranta from Nimble Gravity, and we're really talking about data-driven digital strategies for e-commerce stores. We'll cover a lot of different topics when we even actually touch a little bit on uh, AI and sort of the future um, and how that will integrate within e-commerce and your website and your business. Uh, yeah, you don't want to miss this one. Check it out. All right. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Great opportunity. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. So. Um, as we just kind of jump into this, because I, I think it's going to be one of those things where uh, we could potentially get into the weeds and I don't want to do that too much. I want to make sure that we add some actionable advice here. So when you're talking about data driven strategies within a business, like, can you give us kind of a, a cohesive way or like an overview of the way that you guys look at business and what's different about the way you look at business? And then we can, we can go from there. Sure. I mean, the easiest way to put it is uh, we have a saying internally, data is greater than opinions. And using any data uh, that you have at your disposal, Google Analytics, uh, purchase path history, clickstream data that you can get, competitive intelligence platforms, whatever it might be in that aspect is critical in how you can help you know grow an e-commerce operation. On top of that, you can start to do fun things with data science where you can go out and look at alternative data sets that are driving your business. You can do things like understanding um, what are the precursors of our business, right? Like in my history, I've done things where appliance sales are predicated by fuel prices and housing starts, right? And so you can get ahead of those and understand what's going on in that market and then predict what your appliance sales are going to look like in the future. And that can be done through a simple regression analysis. You don't even need heavy data science to do something like that. But in summary, like using anything that you can to smartly grow your business from a data perspective is going to do better long-term than a gut feeling. Absolutely. So I guess my first question, because I feel like depending on when people are listening to this, right, there's a lot of talk of whether or not we're in a recession, we're about to head into one, et cetera, et cetera. So what are you guys looking at whenever you're advising clients um, in a downturn of market? Like what precursors are you guys looking for and then how do you anticipate like the business to like operate after that you're seeing some of those precursors as you just mentioned it's like i said i feel like it's very topical here at this point so i don't know if you guys are already talking about stuff like this yeah i've actually been talking about that for a couple months with um some clients and there's data out there available from the government there's also data available from you know companies like uh salesforce and the demandware product that they have and they're tracking you know hundreds if not thousands of, of different websites and putting out the reporting of their 
average order value trends, their you know conversion trends, these kinds of things. There, there's other groups that are doing similar, you know, uh, collated, collected data from across multiple DTC platforms that you can go and get and look at what's happening with their Facebook spend, uh, what's happening with their ROI on Google, right? And you can look at all of those things and you combine that then with data that's available about how in an economic downturn, people start to trade off on what they're buying, right? So there's a few things that are going to be the essentials that you're going to have to go and put your money into. And as they get more expensive, you're going to have less money, obviously, for those things that are just desires. They're not needs, they're wants. And so spending starts to drop off in those areas. And you can do again, right, some correlation um, with those trends and how impactful they are for certain businesses and line those up and understand that. So recently went and pulled some data for a, a client of ours that <clears throat> exposed, right, that things like, you know, electricity, fuel, groceries, right, all climbing in, in their price, but that's where the spending is happening. And spending is not happening in areas such as, you know, clothing, um, not happening in floral, not happening in, you know, going out to eat these kinds of areas. So those are the areas that are starting to suffer and people are seeing that. And then you can go and look at what's happening in trends for, for Facebook, et cetera, on the spend. And you can see people are still spending there, but the return on ad spend has been, let's say volatile at best. So what are you guys suggesting to people who are in industries like that to combat it though, right? You you see those precursors, right? For example, we work with a lot of clothing stores. What are the what do you do to say like let's offset this, right? Your turn on ad spend is going to be different. We know this data, here's this information to you hopefully ahead of time or in real time but before a lot of other people see it. But do you guys advise on like what that data means and like changes and suggestions in the business or what kind of role do you guys play with that? Yeah, yeah, we absolutely do. But I think what you have to do is kind of go back to basics in some of those instances, right? Like, as you go through running any e-commerce operation, you get very broad in all of the activities that you're doing, right? You, you start to expand all of your marketing activities. You're expanding how you're building out the product. You're expanding what the functionality is that you're that you're driving into the site. And I think in an instance where you are having high competition, uh, people are looking at their disposable income and making tough choices with it. You have to go back to the absolute basics and maximize the performance of your store. So there are simple things that you can be focusing on that don't take a, a heck of a lot of effort uh, in, you know, in improvement. Right. And so those are things like making your site faster, doing email better, going and disavowing bad backlinks uh, on your on your website. All of these are things that weigh down your SEO profile. And in the in conjunction with that, if you add speed on top of that, there are also things that impact conversion. There's research out there that Google's done with folks like Deloitte and others that proves that you know a hundred milliseconds in site speed change for the positive can have a dramatic effect on your conversion rate. So it's things like that, that you have to go focus on in an instance like this, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I was going to say on our end, we do a lot of, uh, 
yeah audits of the sites and things like that and it's like even at this point it's like sometimes it's not even the lowest hanging fruit right now because of all the other things that are going on but as the as things change it's the basics as you mentioned that we get back to so uh, one of the well i can't remember where i was seeing it on your website but you were talking about this is actually we're recording this the week of black friday cyber monday and so this will obviously be released after that so i think we can use this for any type of sales but you guys specifically had like uh like tips uh about how to increase sales during like those sale periods and I think we can apply that to whether it's Memorial Day or Thanksgiving or whatever else is what are you guys suggesting to people right now to maximize sales, to generate more sales with the data and stuff that they have? There's a ton of things you can be doing, right? So one of those areas that we talked about is in social media. And I think that there's still, unfortunately, a view by many businesses that my customers aren't on that platform, whatever that platform might be. And typically we're talking about my customers aren't on Instagram, my customers aren't on TikTok, you know, they're not using these platforms. I hate to break it to everybody, but yes, they are across like every age group, every demographic. They might not be, you know, the mass of people that are on TikTok, but they're absolutely there. Your grandpa's there, your grandma's there, your mom and dad are there, whoever it might be, they're on there. And guess what? TikTok is also the most tuned algorithm in the history of social media algorithms, right? It gets so much play, gets so much usage. It knows exactly what people are interested in and starts feeding them that right right away. So even if it's a small sliver of your audience, it's going to be highly relevant content that gets fed to them very quickly on that kind of a platform. So you need to be going there and figuring those kinds of things out. You need to be looking at your email cadence, right? Could you inject another email? Can you drive down to different cohorts on, on your email that are highly profitable and make sure that they're going? Um, and, you know, parse them out and send them a separate offer that's going to be more impactful for them. There are all kinds of things that you have to do there. And even in that instance, we go back and say, audit your website, check your site speed, check your functionality, do a, a you know QA check. Is your site mobile friendly, right? So there's all kinds of things that you can do there. And then the other thing that you might look at is running AB tests. Like you're never going to have more traffic than you're going to have during this period of time for most retail e-commerce platforms, right? Like this is make or break the year. It's called Black Friday because you get in the black, right? So use all that traffic to inform all your A-B tests and do it across everything. A-B test your email subject lines, A-B test, uh, you know, colors of buttons, do smaller tests right now like that, because you're going to have the traffic to get them to be relevant really fast. Do do bigger things too. whatever you've got up your sleeve right now is the, the time to be doing some tests on small groups. Right. I'm not saying that you go crazy and do it across the entire site. Parse out 10% of this traffic right now because it's a bigger 10% than normal. Test it. And then if it's going well, you can optimize and go live when you're ready to. So analytics, one more area, right? Like you got to dive in and constantly watch your analytics right now and see if anything is getting off. And if you have a downward facing trend right now, you need to dive in and correct that. Like your teams, you have to have tiger teams at the ready to go out and attack any kind of problem that you might run into right now. So. Um, when it comes to, I guess, the the actual tools, obviously, business owners, you know, let's say there's a business owner on 
Shopify and they use Klaviyo for SMS and, and email, they're going to have data, right, instead of those platforms. Is there anything else besides looking at the data in there that they need to be uh, sort of expanding into? Obviously, there's things like Google Analytics, Hotjar, et cetera. Um, I, I guess what, what would you recommend um, to someone to be able to collect, the, I guess, the right type of, of data uh, to then analyze? Yeah, I, those are absolutely two great platforms right there that, that I'd recommend. Uh, and I don't know that I would say that you have to have Hotjar specifically, right? Like depending upon the size of your your operation, you might go to a full story or you might even take a free Microsoft Clarity, right? Like that's got great data. You can find out rage clicks. You can find out where, where people are running into problems and it's totally free. And you can get that up and running and, and see what's going on there. The other places that I might add that people should really consider looking at are competitive intelligence tools, right? And the reason for that is if you go and look at a competitive intelligence tool like an SEM rush or a similar web, you're going to start to see things like what keywords are my competitors bidding on? What keywords are they not bidding on, right? And so you can find keywords that are out there that you can go optimize on right now even, right? Like how fast is it to go and spin up a paid search campaign? Super fast, right? So find some opportunistic keywords to go after using a platform like that. You can also find out content that people are writing about and that they're having good success with, right? So maybe you want to jump into a similar stream of content, or maybe you want to research areas where you have something of value to offer and you're seeing a clear opportunity that there's space to put that out there and win eyeballs for it. So competitive intelligence tools are, are hugely important in my personal opinion uh, for that kind of extra data, right, on what's going on. So. Interesting. Um, I guess other question, when a client approaches you, um, let's say they have X, Y, and Z problem, I guess what, what's the process of, of attacking something? I think you alluded to maybe a little bit of that earlier where, you know, if there's anything within your analytics that's sort of a down, downtrend um, to immediately address something like that, um, is, is there maybe like an order of hierarchy of things to address, you know, when it comes to, to data and things that you guys observe? Um, or is there sort of a, a science to trying to figure out you know, what's going to be the best bang for your buck? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some things that I think um, that we go and look at immediately, right? Like what's going on with page speed and mobile friendliness and just kind of some of these basics, core web vitals are, are things, you know, in great shape there? Or are there some really fast indicators of some problems, right? You can go find out that all, all of a sudden, you know, somebody's got huge images on their website and their load times are being dramatically impacted by something like that, right? And that's an easy fix. You can figure out that they have JavaScript that's blocking load time on, on the page. And then, then you start looking at things like, okay, what's going on Google Analytics or the analytics platform that they have? And is everything set up right? Are there things that are standing out? Like, why do you have 400% bounce rate? That's not right. That shouldn't be happening, right? So there's something weird that's going on there. And you can pick out these metrics where it's like an instant indicator that there's something going poorly with inside of analytics, right? Anytime I see bounce rate of zero or bounce rate of 100% or more, I'm like, 
yeah, that's a little weird, right? Like it, it should be, it should be 67.54 or something, right? Like mm-hmm. there shouldn't, there shouldn't be these perfect numbers that are existing inside of, of analytics. And you can go look at things like how many views do they have? Are they filtering out bot data? Um, like all kinds of stuff. Are they, are they set up for, you know, people crossing back and forth before? between a blogging subdomain and capturing those those users in a correct fashion where they're not instantiating new sessions for people right that are just bouncing in and out of a blog or something like that so there's all kinds of little things that you can look at in that fashion and then you start to put a ux ui kind of view on top of that and and say what's going on are calls to action inside of eye scanning patterns are they big is search easy to find right like that's that's a top tip for for me just like kind of pet peeve if you have a little magnifying glass hiding in the corner of the of your website somewhere like people aren't going to find that make your search box big and easy to find please people like please and so like there's just all kinds of things like that that you can go look at right Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15-minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreownercom forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreownercom forward slash ecom dash training. I guess um, a little bit more along those lines, I'm very interested to hear like kind of when you guys are diagnosing or going through strategy, if you have a high percentage of people who like add to cart, but don't initiate checkout and don't add like end up purchasing, is there like a, is there like a checklist that you guys go through that say, okay, the add to cart, you know, I'm going to make up an average, the average order value is a hundred bucks or whatever. So it's potentially impulse ish, but like a bunch of people are adding to cart, but they just don't initiate checkout and then they don't purchase like is there like a checklist that you guys go through that you look and you're like okay these are like our top reasons of why they would add to cart and not purchase or um is it just by a case-by-case basis and every site's different i'm just how do you guys go about that i think it's some of both right like there are some classic examples of why people add to cart and don't check out right and that's that you aren't exposing shipping prices or shipping opportunities outside of the cart right do you have free shipping and are you talking about it outside of the cart or do you only talk about it inside of the cart uh is your is your ground shipping an extra charge like what's going on there right can i estimate shipping on a product landing page can I even pull it all the way out to a category page, right? Like, can you give me a statement that sits at the top of your website in, you know, an ever-present banner that's like, you know, free ground shipping or um, two-day shipping for $7.95 or, or whatever, right? So that, that I have that knowledge. That's a classic. I'm going to put something in the cart, see what it says, and then then leave, right? And there are others too that I think fall into that category, right? Methods of payment, right? Do you have Apple Pay? Do you have Google Pay? Do you have, you know, Klarna? Do you have any of these kinds of things that are becoming so popular and and prevalent in actual shopping transactions? Uh, nope. Okay, I'm going to go somewhere else and and check that out, right? So oftentimes there, there's those, and then I think when it gets into the specificity of a website and the niche that they're in, there can be others that that start to indicate what's going on, right? 
So got it. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting is that you guys uh, work with, let's just say, very large companies, and then also some not so large companies. I think that I was reading it was like it was a very large span that it like uh, definitely caught my attention. Uh, and so I'm interested, but I think a lot of people fall right there in the middle of that. <laughs> um, we'll just say it's a uh, it, it's interesting from that spectrum because I don't think we've ever talked to people who work with uh, that large of brands, but. What do you feel is the difference between brands who have grown that large or what their infrastructure or their marketing or systems or anything like just an overarching view? Like, what are the differences? Is it really they're doing a couple of things differently or is it really like, I guess in my head, it's like I, I feel like a lot of people believe that there's so much going on with this large business versus a small one. But then the other side of me says, they're probably just doing the same things, but more efficiently. So I'm just curious because you have a perspective from both a smaller size company and a much larger company. Like, what is the what do you feel is like the the major difference of why the bigger companies continue to grow versus the smaller one is just um, not, I guess, as much. Uh, operational efficiency, um, operational expansion, specialization into, you know, disciplines, whether that be marketing disciplines or operational disciplines, uh, these kinds of things, the scope of, um, what you're trying to do as a website too. Right. So I can give you an example from, uh, my history, um, looking back to my time at Aero Electronics, uh, I ran a website within that organization called Verical.com. And Verical was a, a huge electronic components marketplace. We had two and a half million SKUs. And, um, you know, it had a, a gross merchandise value of, you know, 15 billion. It, it was unbelievably large, right? But that was operated by a very small team in general. Like we had call centers uh, around the globe but um they had fewer calls coming in for them they had fewer people on them we had a smaller core team of people doing the marketing efforts and the product development efforts and the actual you know engineering and and, and software work then our counterpart website which was arrow.com right the main arrow electronics uh shopping destination they had a huge content operation, right? They had a bunch of people uh, writing content all the time. They had connections into a partner website um, where they got data sheets. They had reference designs. They had all these additional extras on top of what we were doing, where we were a very streamlined marketplace, just offering you know, parts from different sellers uh, available for the exact search that you're going for the quantity and price and, and a buy button. Very simple, right? We weren't adding, here's, you know, 50 articles about this vertical. Here's 100 articles about that one. Here's reference designs. Here's schematics. Here's engineering assistance, you know, like all of these additional things that got added on top of it, right? So that was a massive operation of people. It was probably 3x or more in its size of how many people had to execute on that, right? And so you start getting into some of these, you know, let's call them, um, you know, more early in their growth operations, right? Like they could, they could literally have just launched. They could be doing a million, a couple million. They're probably much smaller teams. They're probably much more streamlined. You might be talking about, you know, an owner operated, uh, clothing website that has a few people in marketing, a few people doing some operational work, 
depending on whether they're doing their own fulfillment or not, right? Like if you've got somebody doing all of your operational work on your fulfillment, that takes away what you need internally. So I, I just think that there's levels of complexity in a site and levels of complexity that get made in your choice of how you want to operate and how you want to derive profit, right? Uh, that that start to you know make that spread happen, right? As an owner, you can certainly go ahead and take on all your fulfillment, right? And you can stop paying somebody to do that fulfillment. Can you do it more efficiently then? Can you find a, a warehouse space at a, a cheaper cost? Can you hire people at a you know an equal or cheaper cost? Can can you execute at the same level of expectation that your customers have? Right? Are you going to get all of today's orders out the door at seven p.m. or are you not? And is that fulfillment house going to do that? for you instead, right? So there you have a choice of like, do I want to make that complex for me in how my business is structured? Or do I want to pay for that and make it simple and not have to worry about it? Right? So I think it's choices like that, that start to, you know, make your operation grow in size of people and and complexity. Yeah. Whenever I'm I'm thinking about a business, or I guess whenever I'm thinking about the people listening to this podcast, I always try to go back to, like, if you, right, so Matt at this point, were starting a, a business with e-commerce and, and, I don't know, at this point, right, you're just the startup level, what are things that you would make sure are absolutely in place when it comes to the data side of things? Um, is it more or less what we've talked about previously? Or, like, are there any other types of insights that you would want from the very beginning, you started to sell things online through, let's just say specifically Shopify, um, that you just want to make sure that like, here's the checklist of the things that need to be in place. These are the numbers that I'm paying attention to as I'm starting the business or really starting to make sure that I'm focusing on the numbers. Because I think more than anything, I'm hoping that your advice about um, looking at like precursors and things as we head into like a recession or at least a down economy or something like that, their, their numbers are going to be even more important. So I'm just curious, right, instead of getting like analysis by paralysis, what numbers are the most important do you believe uh, for them to to do whenever they're first starting out or likely first starting out of actually paying attention to the numbers? Because I think a lot of people aren't necessarily just starting out. They're probably just now just paying attention a little bit more to the numbers because we rode away for a long time of like the good times, the good times. So just ride them basically. And so I think the numbers are going to be even more important now. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with that focus on the numbers more. And to talk about like, what are the things that I would make sure that I was doing, right? Like there's a ton of great data in in Shopify. There's a ton of great data in Clavio. Um, I would 100% use those tools if it were me, like a single owner operator, e-commerce uh, operation. Um, they're extremely friendly, straightforward, great platforms, right? The two other things that I would add from the start would be I would get my access to Google Search Console set up, right? Total free tool, tells you the queries that are coming in, tells you the bad backlinks that are happening. You can start to understand some data there. And I would put the free version of Google Analytics up immediately, immediately, right? Like I think so many people probably kick off a site and, and think, I'm not going to do that yet. I've got enough data inside of Shopify to, to, to work with. I've got my visitors. I've got my conversion rate. I've got my sales, right? 
the things that are added with Google Analytics, you know, your cohorts of, of shoppers, your, your user profiles, your analytics on demographics, parts of the world that they're coming from. The, I know that you get these views in Shopify, but the granularity that you can break it down with inside of Google Analytics and export it out with are, are superior in my personal opinion. And I wouldn't start without capturing that data. I'm not saying as a store owner that you have to go use it, right? Like maybe you're just not versed there. Maybe you're a design guy uh, for, for clothing and you don't know the first thing about analytics. Don't let that stop you from getting online, but start capturing that data, right? So that when you go to partners and you start working with an agency or you go to hire people and you're like, I need a marketing manager to come run these things for me. I need an analytics person. They're there and they're set up and you've got historical data that can inform those decisions down the road. I'd make sure they're they're there a hundred percent. And you want all your purchase path data. You want all the site path data that you're going to get out of Google Analytics, like what's the content flows. You want to understand all your exit pages, everything, right? Like from, from front to back. So, um, I had a question more, I guess, regarding AI, machine learning, and all that kind of stuff. Um, what okay. I guess maybe just more of a, of your thoughts or ideas surrounding that, and even using that to your, you know, to your advantage. You know, maybe creating product photography through. The new, those new AI, there's a DALI, I think is what it's called, um, where you can automatically generate images, but also AI using it to potentially just run A-B tests automatically, right, without you having any sort of input. Um, I guess what are your what are your thoughts on on all that? Yeah, I think the, I think that last example is fantastic, right? So the the AI and and ML for uh, a machine or sorry for AB testing is, is fantastic, right? Because there are so many sites out there that, um, they struggle to have enough traffic to make AB tests statistically relevant. Right. And with that, instead take it off and simulate that and simulate pushing a whole bunch of traffic through it, calculate the best outcome. And if it's positive, go ahead and use that and then watch what's happening on your site. And as long as you aren't, you know, tanking your conversion rate, increasing your, your bounce rate, doing anything that's bad from a metric standpoint, you can start to utilize that kind of technology to help you push forward things that you would probably struggle to prove were positive through a traditional AB testing platform. Right now, that being said, I don't think it's going to be long before you see traditional A-B testing platforms really introduce this as well, right? It's a way to capture a, a, a lot more customers. I think the other areas where you can understand these, and this starts to get maybe away from the core audience, right, of, of your listeners, but you can start to understand impacts on, on pricing, on fulfillment and supply chain challenges and, and what's going on. You can start to be creating predictive models about customer churn, all of these kinds of things. And so, and there are some great platforms out there that will help do that these days. And I would certainly encourage everybody to go jump on those right now, uh, for sure. Lots of, lots of great things coming. So. Awesome. 
I think there's a good place to to leave it right here. The 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 future, um, Matt. What is it? So we're gonna obviously link up the website here. Um, I want to make sure that everybody is well aware of uh, your guys' site. But is there any of the good places to connect with you guys? Anything that you guys are putting out that you want to share that we want to make sure we we get into the show notes here. Yeah, I think the other great place to to find us is on LinkedIn. We're you know typically sharing kind of uh, the content that we're talking about today and in articles there on our LinkedIn profile. So that's also just LinkedIn.com, and then you know all the the hashes through to get to Nimble Gravity. Uh, but definitely, if people want to go look us up there, that'd be fantastic. Cool. Yeah. We will put that in the show notes. Matt, thank you so much. I am so glad we uh, were able to to talk about this. I'm curious what the next couple of months look like, and I definitely want to make sure to stay in touch and keep us up to date with uh, what you guys are seeing in the market as far as data and some trends that are happening there. Yeah, sounds great, guys. I really appreciate the conversation. Fun time. And uh, let's do that follow-up. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBraining and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.